Tyler, and we're chasing down the American dream. Dave's here to tell us all about classism and all types of haters. But before we get too bougie, now that they've finished rioting against the most recent grain shortage, let's welcome mm. in our favorite fat cat peasants dressed in their bedazzled tunics, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Well, good day. Good day. Did either of you guys you. have bedazzlers? <laughs> uh, I... I still don't know what that means. <laughs> totally. What What does it? Does it, it I picture like it looking a, like a curling iron. It was like an '80s thing. Yeah, right? like a rhinestone. Decorate your jean jacket with rhinestones. Yeah, yeah. multicolor more, rhinestones. More kind of a, it was more girly in my upbringing. I didn't do it, uh, but no. I don't know. I think you could have easily had some very manly looking gemstones yeah. in your jean jacket. They do. They do. Black um, ones. Even today. <laughs> I think my dad has a pair of bedazzled jeans, to tell you the truth, with well, like well. cross emblems on the back pockets. Yeah. All right. Dave, good day. Hi. How you doing? I'm great. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're laughing a little bit because <laughs> technical difficulties, everybody. We, we've we already explained this half, like in some other time dimension, but there was Facebook couldn't hear us, so we're basically redoing all this for, yeah. for Facebook. But what's new? What's happening? Well, you know how... Everybody has like in a relationship, there's this like banking, social banking that you get where you like gain points yeah. for doing cool stuff or lose points for doing stupid stuff. Well, currently in my relationship with my wife, Olivia, I'm a millionaire because <laughs> because on Saturday, get out. it keeps growing. It's, it's I'm a billionaire yeah. because on on Bing. Saturday, on Saturday, she graduated uh, with a, her degree in philosophy, minor yeah. in, in literature and she just did it all herself, right? Totally put herself through college, paid for the whole thing and came out with no debt and got straight A's all while running her own makeup business, which is continuing to just kind of blow up. So she's very impressive. Holy cow. She is crushing it. She's absolutely. crushing it. Absolutely. So she thought that we were having a party for just that it was going to be like this hole in the wall Japanese restaurant where her family and my family and a couple of friends would come. <clears throat> and that was what she thought was going to be her entire graduation party. And she, to, later on, she told me she was kind of feeling disappointed that I hadn't thought it was she more was mad at you. It, yeah. She wasn't quite, she was like, yeah, I just kind of was like, this is a big deal. I don't know why Barry doesn't <laughs> treat it like such a big deal. And so anyway, on, on Saturday, she thought that she was just going to go get her nails done with yeah. Warren, with your wife, uh, and then come to the, to the place. But instead she walked in to a completely different place and it was this huge surprise party and it was a blast. We had and people. And she had friends, family, yeah. folks from the bunny place. Yeah, the Indiana House Rapid Society, a whole bunch of volunteers drove yeah. all the way up to hang out and like, yeah, she was almost more excited to see them than she was to <laughs> yeah. see everybody else. Yeah, she she walked in, saw her friends and family. It was like, hey, oh my goodness, thanks. And then uh, she looks over to her right and there's all the bunny people and she's like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was a blast. So yeah. yeah, she was completely, completely surprised. Yeah. I, I gave a little speech. I, I even told everybody, Hey, it's her birthday as well. So uh, she's a gift person. Feel free to bring gifts. And so yeah. she had a whole bunch of a little gifts and cards and, and I, I'm, you know how you get, you start to dial in on the person that you love and you know how they are wired and all that. And so I'm learning that she loves to, to, be known and understood and she loves to be uh you know affirmation is a really big deal for her and so i had these two sheets laid out where i could where i had people fill it in and it was just like the thing i love most about olivia the, you know oh yeah so i had people write that and so those are now framed in our in our house because oh, they really cool. speak a lot so i'm a billionaire Great. Right you now. are yeah. rich i'm i'm yeah I am so, blown congrats. away at what she was able to accomplish yeah. and how she was able to accomplish it. And I told her at that party that the first thing I thought of when I saw that, oh my goodness, not only did she graduate with this philosophy degree, but she graduated with honors. And oh, right. She, yeah. She was like the top of the philosophy department. Oh she my was goodness. Like, yeah. Yeah. And she got an, a, a, I can't remember the name of it, some kind of an award for her achievement and as a, as a student. So yeah. Yeah. Putting herself through school, graduating debt-free. Yep. I told her the first thing I thought of was, I'm so glad that my daughter knows you. Like yeah. what a person for my child to look up to. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just super grateful. We love so, you, Olivia. Yep. Yeah. She had one of those like silky, uh, what are they like ties? What are those? <laughs> the things that you wear? <laughs> like a belt? The mantle? Clothing? Is that what it is? Yeah. A mantle? It yeah. kind of. Oh. We talked I, about that in services this past weekend. Mantles. Mm, is that what it's called? The the I, sash thing? Sure. 
Yeah. Why? What about it? It's not sash. What is it? I don't know. It's not a beauty pageant. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's still a- keep. So anytime you see one of those on a graduate, you're like, oh, they mean business. <laughs> she has one. I don't know. What, I don't know what it means. <laughs> they <laughs> mean business. Yeah. Never heard anything like that before. Uh, Marin, what's going on with you? Um, what is going on with me? How was Mother's Day? Mother's Day was a blitz. I got a uh, prompt for you, Mother's Day. Thank you for always thinking of prompts. <laughs> I'm telling you, sitting in this seat is like walking into Target. And like, I just forget why I'm there. Right. Why. That's what happens when you go into Target? Every time. Every time. I just like, something washes over me and I'm a, I'm just in a daze. I'm in a fog. Hmm. Get the One of the employees fog. comes over to take you by the arm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you lost, ma'am? Yeah. Can I help you? Yeah. Uh, um, so no, Mother's, Mother's Day, Day was awesome. Um, Do your kids like go all out for you and like no. breakfast in bed? No. And the whole, no. No. I well, part of it is just Sundays. I'm usually up and at them oh, that's before right. You're probably the working. kids are. Um, and I'm probably one of those people that would not want breakfast in bed. There's like those who enjoy that, person that and doesn't those exist. who don't. No, it's like, I don't want breakfast in bed. I don't want to eat in bed. Not no, really. You, don't you spill things. What? Crumb, yeah. Crumbs. Dave, you're out on breakfast in bed too. Oh, and, ah. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Right? no. Yes. No. No. Oh! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> Forgot about that one. Yes. Uh, okay. That so me? Yeah, that's you. That was, yes. <laughs> what? That was, was one I? of your sermons. I don't remember what what you, it was. No, it was the Lazarus. You were talking about Jesus, Jesus being angst about Lazarus. <laughs> that's right. That's so I great. About uh, okay, so what 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 do you guys do on Mother's Day? Well, every Mother's Day is different, and this one we just kind of had to play by ear. So I was serving here at the 146 campus over the weekend, which was awesome, and got to be on with some of my favorite moms here at this campus. That was super fun. But then the question became, do I leave my family? To go see my mom for Mother's Ooh. Day. Mm. Yeah. Or do I leave my mom, like, daughterless, because my other sisters couldn't make it out to mm-hmm. see her, on Mother's Day? Like, I couldn't stand the thought of that. So finally... Which one you choose? I chose to make it my Mother's Day gift that my whole family goes with me to see my mom <laughs> oh, for nice. two hours. Split the so difference. So it was awesome because we were in a car together, like, for three hours there and three Does hours Does anybody back. but you enjoy that? Um... I think that they, I, I don't want to say they enjoyed the ride so much, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, it was so good to be with yeah. my mom on Mother's Day. That's awesome. And just- how, how is she doing right now? Well, today, actually, right now, she's getting another chemo infusion. So she she doesn't do very well with this round of chemo. It's mm-hmm. been wiping her out. But thankfully, when I saw her this past weekend, she was three weeks out from her last treatment. Yeah. And so she was- just social and able to make the trip to my aunt's house, which is probably a solid 45 minutes away from where she lives, which is mm-hmm. huge because yeah. this week she probably won't be able to get out of bed. Um, gotcha. So yeah, it was really awesome um, to have her there and um, surprise her. She didn't know I was coming. Oh, uh, you, oh, really? Surprise? Yeah. No, she actually told me not to come. She told me emphatically that I needed to enjoy my own mother's day with my kids. And but of then, course that means she's pumped to see you when you show up. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, and they, I mean, anyone who knows me knows there's no way I was not going to see my yeah. own mother yeah. on yeah. mother's day. Yeah. And it's a joy to disobey her. Good. All right. <laughs> Dave. Yeah. <laughs> What's new? What's new is that mother's day had a new meaning for us. I, this year. That's my prompt for you. Where are we at? Where are we at? Today. What's because going on? We're nine days out. Nine days out. Little grand baby boy going to join us. My daughter's going to have a baby. So that's I can't even I still can't wrap my mind around that. I know. It's still it seems Which just part? so that your sister's having a baby yeah. or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've seen her pregnant now. Yeah. So I know that it's true. <laughs> it's, it's really happening. But it's like it's just it's weird. My sister Yeah. Uncle Barry. Yeah. Do you, okay. We've talked about this before. What do we want the baby to grow up calling you guys? Well, that's uh, I'm your, Papa. Your Poopa, right? No. Poopa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Family show. <laughs> no, uh, Papa and Nana is okay. what we will be. And yes, it's because we already have grandkids. Yeah, kind of that's from what they a call family you. that that we've sort of adopted as our. Great. Yeah, and they call us Pop, Nana and Papa. So, all right, we're gonna Barry, stick, we're gonna stick with that. I'll be Uncle B. That's Uncle what they B. usually call me until yeah. they can they can actually pronounce Barry. It's harder than it seems. Yeah, <laughs> for children. So my son, my dad made 
the announcement when my son was born that he just wanted to be grand- grandpa. Mm-hmm. Classic. Which, fine. We're going to call him grandpa. But as soon as Milo started being able to speak, he started calling him Bumpa. <laughs> and so now... Milo and his cousin Will, who's about the same age, call my dad Bumpa, and that's what now <laughs> he actually we all... taught Will that, or did you guys do you all start he, calling uh, him Bumpa? One of the other, one heard the other or that something, so and so great. now they call him Bumpa, Bumpa, and now we all call him Bumpa. So that's wow. amazing. Who knows? That might happen. It, it may happen. Yeah. And my dad is Grandpapa. Grandpapa. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, that's intense. Grandpapa. Grandpapa. <laughs> my mom's dad has. We grew up calling him Granddaddy, but then. In my adult life, I noticed that whenever he signed his letters, it would always be granddad. And I realized, oh, I bet he wants me to call him granddad. So now I call him granddad. <laughs> Even though I'm like, you're not granddad, you're granddaddy. We yeah. all know that. But. Um, okay. So this is a big moment for Grace Church because Lucy grew up here. Yeah. Should we live pod the experience? <laughs> I'll, I'll ask her. Okay. See, yeah. just see, run that by her. She see, feels about see that. she feels about that. Oh, oh. that's hilarious. But. Well, she made it clear that, I mean, um, well, I, should, I, I don't know if I should say this on <laughs> the She made pod. it clear not to talk no, about you know this, what, and here we are. I'm not going to talk about this, <laughs> yeah. because I, I always get in trouble with this, so <laughs> the baby's coming next Thursday. That's all I need yeah. to say. All right. You guys taking the week off or anything? You're going to be up there? Yeah, we're going to be up there. I'm not yeah, taking the week off, but I'm, I'm heading up on Thursday. I'm going to no, go. No, I'm not preaching. Oh, you're not? I'm preaching this weekend, not next weekend. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I'm I'm taking four days. I'm all right. up there, yeah. Olivia on Facebook says it's called a stole. Yes. Uh, not, a, not a shaw. Or what yes. did I call it? A belt? What no, did I you call called it? it a mantle. I called it oh, a she mantle. called it a mantle. <laughs> you called it a sash. Sash. Yes. Yeah. It's a stole. Thanks, Liv. All right. It's Liv watching? Glad we got that yeah, figured out. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, that's what, what it's called. All right, let's jump to the sermon this weekend. Dave, uh, week three, right? Week three of Hope Month. week three. Yeah. Um, you gave a riveting sermon about socioeconomic the path of love self uh giving love in terms of socioeconomic like classism. classism yeah mm-hmm. um and so anybody who may not have seen the sermon yet or uh has forgotten since sunday or saturday can you kind of give us catch us up and on what the big idea is or what you wanted people to walk away hearing yeah well the the, the big idea is really no different than what barry's already line lined out and that is that if we're going to um confront and heal hatred, then we're going to have to walk the path of self-giving love. And we talked about in the context of self-giving love in the context of social classism. Mm-hmm. Barry talked about it in terms of ethnic uh, hatred, racial ha- hatred, but but the context of self-giving love within social class, uh, socioeconomic classism. And you primarily focused on James chapter two, yeah. one through 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said- before you got into the in the scripture, you started saying there there are essentially two types of haters. There's poor haters, which kind of look up uh, at people who are of means or wealth, and you know there's judgments there, yeah. saying you're fat cats, you don't understand me. Right, the right. Sig- system's rigged against. Systems rigged, and you, you know. enjoy the system, and I get done by yeah. And then there's rich haters who look down on the poor uh, and say you're lazy and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is always kind of like floated around me. I've definitely like been aware there's there's that type of stuff going on. But yeah. my wife actually is the one that um, brought this to my attention. And I think I agree with my personal experience with what she said, which was this is the first sermon that she has heard where the poor people that we are talking about are the poor people here. Yes. Like in our midst, in our mm-hmm. communities, not the poor people where we go see on mission trips. Right. It, we're talking about the path of hatred that's happening right in our here midst. in terms yeah, of, you right. know, Indianapolis or wherever. Yeah. Um, and so how did how, you said you, you basically took us through how you think or how you're proposing God wants us to walk this path of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said the core of the book of James is, is financial disparity. Can you kind of give us a world behind the text glimpse into yeah. what, what you were talking about? Well, the world behind the text is that it was, it was clear there was a vast disparity in the first century between the rich and the poor. And that was exacerbated by taxation, uh, land ownership that had to be turned over because people couldn't pay taxes. And so previous landowners became peasants and peasants had to, just like any culture, the peasants had to work at the behest of the, of the wealthy. And so that's the world behind the text. And it was, um, 
I think the most fascinating thing about the story of James is that it actually cost his life hmm. because he kept uh, James, the brother of Jesus and the writer of this, kept calling it out, this idea of classism. And it got him in trouble with the with the uh, Jewish aristocracy. And I can't imagine why anyone would ever would ever have a problem with James <laughs> James five one. Look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead yeah. of you. And he had a he had a perspective. He did. <laughs> he had some thoughts. And, and Ananus the second finally rose up and said, mm, "Nah, let's just We're get rid of this guy out of here." That. Yeah, but that that's that's class warfare when it costs you your life. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, that's the world behind the text, Tyler. And this is kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but what I heard is we need each other, whether you're rich or poor, we need each other. And let, so let's spend a little bit of t- in, in talking about why, Yeah. whether you're of means and you, you need somebody who's not of means or whether you're not, you don't have right. as much and you need somebody who is wealthy or whatever. Yeah. And to me, that was the key to the whole, the whole message and the whole passage is verse five, where he says, has not God chosen the poor to be rich in faith? Which is uh, uh, which is a bit of a mind boggler when you take it apart. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the key. And in other words, let, let's, not, let's not get into the way we normally think that if you're wealthy, it is your responsibility to contrib- contribute to the poor. We all, despite our class or where we we need to contribute to one another with the peculiar gifts that we have and that that creates that creates real community you uh added one small thing to barry's sentence from last week that has all the hearts and stars around it in my journal (laughs) yeah um it is our unity and love which helps the kingdom grow but it is our diversity of gifts and life experiences i love that Mm -hmm. that you added that i don't i didn't think this sentence could get even better but in that it did it's our gifts and our life experiences oh yeah can you expound on that a little bit yeah well um in our life experiences whether it's good life experiences or bad life experiences um i believe that god the holy spirit is always working always doing things and i think specializes in redeeming brokenness and redeeming tough places that we're in and I believe that's what those who, and, and a little bit of world of the text here, when James starts his letter and he says, consider all joy when you face trials of various mm-hmm. kinds, because the trial builds in you endurance, endurance. In you. I believe, I believe that James actually, the context was financial insecurity or financial trial. And so I believe people who go through that are primed to, to be palms up before the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit then redeems us. And then, like Paul says to the Corinthians, the comfort we receive from God in our financial struggle, we can then pass on to other people. The faith I've I've learned, the endurance I've grown. Yes. In. That's that's the life experience. It's not just it's not just my life experiences that contributes to the body. It is the redemption through my life experiences yeah. Yeah. that contributes to the body. So as I was watching, uh, I was in North India. As I'm watching the sermon and listening, I'm thinking, is it is it possible to not favor some over others? Is it humanly possible? Because it sounds like this has been an issue from the very beginning of the church. Because mm-hmm. you went to Acts. Oh, yeah. And it's been an issue there. Yeah. It's an issue in James. It's yeah. an issue today. Is it humanly possible to not, like, what are some practical ways that I can think of not doing this? Because I... I don't want to, I don't want to look down on others. I don't want to judge other people. I don't, whether it's up or down, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, but I'm, I would, if I'm like being, if I'm paying attention to this, I, f- I feel like I would be just be repenting all the time because it's, it's so much easier. I mean, I guess that's the point. It's so much easier to just go off with people yeah. that are like yeah. me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's so a, is it possible to live this life? Well, I, yeah, I want to say yes, of course, because I, <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> preach the sermon if I didn't believe it. But at the same time, I'm not going to be glib about it and I'm not going to be naive. Uh, and so I think it starts with sitting at the same table, mm-hmm. yeah. meaning, meaning the table as in having a meal together, knowing one another, sitting, uh, having conversations uh, with, with one another mm-hmm. and 
probing. So I'll tell you, I, I had it. I have to be careful how I relate the story, but I had a fascinating encounter in the lobby between services with um, a woman who clear, uh, who indicated and her daughter indicated, I think that, that she was a, a woman who did not have many means. And I, as she was telling me her dreams that she wanted to provide care for others who are struggling, which is almost an example. I was exemplifying what I was saying. You know, she's learned how to trust God in her poverty and she wants to extend that to other people. She looked up at me in tears in her eyes and she said, I feel like I'm understood for the first time. Mm. Somebody understands me. Mm. So is it possible? Yeah, but it's going to take like with racial and ethnic diversity or inclusion Mm -hmm. and relationship. It's just going to take all the things, all the relationship. I, I have several relationships with people of extraordinarily different socioeconomic statuses because they're from developing world countries living in, in poverty. And it, it, it's very challenging to navigate that because it's really hard to get around the, the, the reality that even though I don't consider myself to be very wealthy, when I'm in Kibera slum in Nairobi, Mm -hmm. I'm very wealthy, Mm -hmm. just period. Mm -hmm. I got myself halfway around the world. I have access to funds, right? So I've had to wrestle with that a lot. Um, but having relationships with folks in that that community and actually trying to learn what it means to have mutual submission, I, I've gotten glimpses of what is possible, even though there are plenty of times when they would rather be with them. They're, they're people that are like them, that are familiar to them, and I would rather be the same. Yeah. I think it's possible if there is on both sides a mutual desire to move towards that that common community, um, but but I think it requires the Holy Spirit and it requires a level of humility that does not come naturally. That's kind of my yeah. perspective on it. That was like my prayer for the entire weekend, that the Lord would lead me in His love, that He would open my eyes to people around me, because we talked about this before, where we kind of come home from whatever job we may have and drive straight into our garage and close the door behind us. And Mm -hmm. that could be all we see the people that we work with that may or may not be just like us. And then we go home. So I've been asking God, you know, and I've said this on the pod before, it was a lot easier when I lived in an urban setting that I could just walk out my front door and see every kind of uh, person represented um, along the spectrum of, um, you know, the socioeconomic spectrum, they were just right outside my front door. Mm-hmm. It's become a lot harder the deeper I go into suburban life. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm trying to just think, okay, Lord, open my eyes when I'm when I'm here at, at church or when I'm at the Y or at the grocery store or at the mm-hmm. park with my kids or wherever I go. Lord, just open my eyes and create opportunities. Again, being led by the Holy Spirit, asking him to create opportunities mm-hmm. for me to move in. Uh, yeah. In love. Self-giving, self-giving love is never accidental. It's always intentional. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just happen. You, it has to be premeditated, thought through. I think you can, I think over time you can learn the rhythms of self-giving love, but largely it's intentional mm-hmm. and it's purposeful. Yeah. You talked a lot about, is it poor people faith versus rich people faith hmm. and the differences of, yeah. Can you kind of remind us what you were saying and expand on, let's, let's spend a little time talking about the differences there. Yeah. It's, and it's not like rich people, poor people. And it, no matter what you're in, everybody can be, everybody can be a person of faith. Those, as James said, God has, that's a very strange word. God gifted the poor with faith. Now, what I, what I think James was saying is the poor clearly have nowhere to turn except to someone beyond themselves to make it through life. And so the gift they are, the poor are given or those who don't have means, however you want to use whatever terminology, is the opportunity to seek God when you have nothing else. And that's, and how they respond, it's up to the, it's up, to, I mean, if you're a person with little means, you don't have to respond in faith. You can ball your fist up and still try to make, make life work on your own. But the gift is the opportunity to respond in faith. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm wealthy, 
and I am, um, the, the fact of the matter is I have less opportunities to exercise my faith because my capacities are wider. So for me to fix my problems on my own. Right. And I just have, I, it, it is, I, I have not been given the gift by God financially of having to trust him. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a strange gift. <laughs> and nobody really wants that gift. So is it a, is it a distraction what is 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 having means a distraction from that gift? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I yeah. I guess you could say it that way. In in if God wants to offer us faith, and I don't have to, if I if I can give or take, if I don't if I don't have to mess around with faith, and I can make my life, I can write a check, or I can yeah, I can get myself educated, or I can do X Y Z. Um, yeah, that distracts me from the faith that I probably could possess. Well, and, and I mean, after the parable, after the rich young ruler walks away sad after meeting Jesus, he doesn't want to give up everything to follow Jesus. Jesus says, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He's not condemning people who are, who are rich. He's saying no. it is very challenging that what, what is required to follow Christ is a level of faith and surrender that can be hard when you have other means to solve your own problems. So he's not condemning the wealthy. He's saying that the the faith required to follow Christ uh, comes easier to those who have to rely on faith mm-hmm. in a more frequent uh, way. It's the odd gift of poverty. Yeah. I uh, I was taken to Philippians 4. This That's where this sermon took me. Specifically, Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We love that verse, right? Mm -hmm. It's like new King James. (laughs) Not quite. Um, Listen, when I'm on this podcast for Grace Church, it's NLT. Um, I love that you feel you have to explain that every every single time. time. No matter when you read the Bible, I'm playing that verse or that single time. (laughs) Um, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We all love that verse, but I'm struck by what comes before it. Mm Mm-hmm. I know how to live on almost nothing. Mm -hmm. I know the secret. Or with everything. Mm -hmm. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah. That's been my journey and my experience. I have been middle class. I have been on a recipient of public aid. I now live in a, pretty nice house in the suburbs and it was a difficult transition into suburban life yeah Mm -hmm. because I was a whole lot more comfortable as a city dweller Um, and that was the question I asked myself when I came here two years ago can I know the secret of living in every situation Mm. can I can I live on a full stomach too Mm -hmm. I know how to live on an empty stomach can I live on a full stomach too can Mm -hmm. I still um, how will this affect my faith? How will this challenge my faith? Yeah. Yeah. How will this deepen my faith? This experience of living this way with my family and my kids. And we were not, we were not suburban people, <laughs> <laughs> but I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Um, yeah. Have you, have you guys noticed how awkward this conversation is? And this is not a topic that we are very comfortable having. Is it because it, I have noticed that, is it because it's about money or is it because, is it for another reason? That's, it's a, it's because a great nobody point. wants we to talk are, about money. We're way more comfortable talking about racial inequities. Yeah. Ethnic. We, I think it's, I don't know, maybe we're just schooled in it. We talk about it more, we face it more, but nobody talks about this stuff. Nobody talks about socioeconomic um, classism. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very awkward for me to go back and relive my childhood and realize mm-hmm. how much I was steeped in it. I'm there. Either were thinking back my time working the steel mill. Realized I was not like these guys. I actually got that job and I made a lot of money in the summer because my dad was an executive in in the steel mill. And realizing I carried around a prejudice towards the guys that were the everyday workers in the steel mill because I wasn't one of them. That was awkward for me and hard yeah. for me to admit. Hmm. Um, so I'm not sure why this is so awkward. It it just is. Yeah, I have a. I mean. I have a fifth grade version of this. So I moved to Indianapolis 
when my family moved to Indianapolis when I was in fifth grade, we moved from a really small town, which I don't, I don't know what I was going to grow. If we stayed there, I don't know what I was going to grow up to do, but a lot of people there in that small town are like farmers or small town, just workers. And so I found myself growing up through high school being like, Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. I don't live there anymore with those poor people. I I live in the big city, Indianapolis, Mm. you know? Right. So I I have that version of, of that in my own life too. Yeah. But at the same time, the weird thing for me, if you would see the house I grew up in, it would, because I'm giving the picture that I grew up wealthy. If you, the house, how big was it, Barry? Like seven square feet. Seven, it's real small. It was the teeniest little house. <laughs> seven square feet. It, yeah. was, it was so, so teeny. It, you, and, I, and I knew very well, I was also not like the rich people. And there yeah. weren't, there weren't a lot of rich people in my town. It was a very yeah. much a blue collar town. There were not very, but I knew I was not like the people at the country club. And that, that's why the story I told when my dad joined the country club for a couple of years, I felt awkward every time I was there. He would take us out for, do you remember that, Barry? Do you remember uh, my dad taking us out there when you were little? I mean, if if I do, I never would have thought of it as a country yeah. club. I don't yeah. think I had any context for that. <laughs> Penny, but. Your mom and I were talking about it. She, it was when, after when you were kids. Yeah. And it was, it was a source of pride for my dad that we were at the country club and mm. I just didn't feel right there. Mm. I just mm. didn't. So it goes both ways, all ways as we, as we um, compare ourselves to others. And it's, it's interesting that culturally, even just with our wealth, we are so reticent to ever talk about like, what do you make? What's your salary? Like, we don't talk about that. That's totally taboo. And yet we all, many of us try to dress and drive and live in such a way that it's clear that we make a lot of money, even though we're never going to tell you how much we actually make. And so many people are going into debt to show how much money they're making when they know, yeah, it's well, not it's, true. it's debt, and so it's just interesting that that wealth has become such a, I don't even know, it's such an identifier for us. And I, I've been reflecting after traveling for so long, coming back to the U.S. and seeing just the way that we, everybody is attempting to live to show that they are living in about one class up from what they actually are living. And it's like everything is designed to be look more luxurious and more. It's marketing that way. And I don't know, am I making sense? It's just a, yeah. it's just a fascinating thing that we are all so driven to appear wealthier and yet none of us would ever <laughs> yeah. actually get talk about the real amount that we make at least in maybe Who it's made a that rule though? thing. Who made the rule where we're not allowed to talk grandma, about what we make? Grandma made grandma that rule. Did. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if we just started talking about that, we'd well, feel a lot better. It Well, it's interesting. Maybe not. I wonder if that's why we like Downton Abbey, where it was real clear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they flaunted their wealth and it actually became the way they measured themselves in society. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it, it might've been awful and terrible, but it was clear yeah. who you were in Downton Abbey t- days, yeah. whenever that was. Hmm. But whenever that was, what was that like 1970? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> No, that would be the 20s, 1920s. 20s. Um, You said we have a responsibility if we've received comfort from God um, to pass it on to other people. Yeah. Can you explain what that means? Did you mean if we are poor and we've received comfort from God in that, we have a responsibility to pass on our faith? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what we've learned, and whether it's because we're poor or whether I, because I'm sick or whether it's because uh, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever I've needed comfort from God. Um, you know, Paul made it very clear to the Corinthians. He said, if I, if we've received comfort, it's for you. Yeah. Now, that's why this has happened. That's mm-hmm. why I said, I don't know if I said it all, all four hours, but once we've received comfort from God for whatever reason, we're now on the clock. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the clock and God is expecting, okay, now you deliver that to others who haven't experienced that. Yet. I know that at least one of the services you said, we are waiting for you. Yeah. And my heart said, yes, mm-hmm. we're waiting for you. And, and what does that mean for me? I know specifically how I've been comforted. Am I imparting that comfort oh, yeah. to others 
or, you know, you're, you're, you're challenging me to look at my story of, of redemption in a different light. Mm -hmm. Was that just to save me for that time? And now I can just shout, thank God I'm saved. Or was that to take the comfort that I needed at my lowest and now impart that to somebody else who needs that same comfort? Yeah. And I think that's how it works. I really do. And if we all th- imagine, if we all thought that way, yeah. Imagine if we I, first to step back and say, well, how how has God comforted me? Okay, so that's part of our calling. I mean, that's all what I tell people when I take them through the calling quilt and all that. That's why we look at our life map. We look at what has happened to me in my life that actually builds into my calling, and even the worst, most horrible, broken places in our lives that have been redeemed. I mean, that's, those are, that's the seedbed of destiny right there. Mm. I remember going to Ukraine and interacting with those folks yeah. over there. And a lot of them, I mean, like you were saying, Barry, I went over there and it was immediately clear that I was a rich person, mm. you know, comparative, right. comparatively right. speaking. Yeah. Um, and I remember being so a inspired by a lot of their faith, but b like super jealous of it. <laughs> like I want what you have. Yeah. And when we're talking about this, it is one hundred percent they are sharing the the faith mm. because they've been covered by God in it with me. And I come home and I'm like, I want that. Whatever they have, I want. A version of that. Yeah. For me specifically, it was the generosity. Yeah. And how they had very little means, mm. yeah. but shared so much. Yeah. more. I, I, it just blew me away. And then I came home, <laughs> I walked past my dining room. <laughs> I said, I have a room for people to eat in. That that's the that's the sole purpose of the room, just for people to sit in it. And he, and we don't use it more often right. than not. I mean, we have people yeah. over, but my dining room table is where we fold our laundry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you have a really good plate you could use. Oh my and goodness, the plate. <laughs> You're all welcome to come and see. My Get plate. out. <laughs> but no, it challenged me um, to be more hospitable. Yeah. To. Um, make better use of the comforts with which mm-hmm. he has given me. He's mm-hmm. endowed me with these just creature comforts, yeah. this place I live in, this beautiful um, area where I live and food in my fridge. You know, yeah. he has blessed me with so much. And um, I just felt like a hoarder <laughs> when I got home from <laughs> Ukraine. <laughs> there was, I was downtown last week at a meeting downtown. And I was walking. I don't remember where I was, but there was a guy. And if I had to make a judgment, which I shouldn't, but made a ju- I would I would say he's probably homeless just by looking at him. And he had a plate of fried chicken on, that he was holding. And I walked by him and just, I don't know why I said this, <laughs> but I just, as I walked by, I, look, I said, well, that looks good. <laughs> and you know what he said? He, re- he said, here. Mm-hmm. Mm. He said, have some. And I was like, oh. <laughs> feel terrible I immediately. Up. I was like, no, thank. <laughs> oh. But it was, it was, it was beautiful. And, he, yeah. and it wasn't him. It was a natural reaction for him. For, for yeah. him. It felt like that's the thing he probably does all the time. Yeah. It was almost like, I have some, you should have some. Mm. That's, that's living. Mm. That's living generously. Yeah. And so one of the consequences, if you think about the second step on the path of self-giving love, which is compassion. Uh, I don't mean compassion in the sense of pity. I, I mean, compassion in the sense of opening your life to someone yes. and then using what you can to lift them. <laughs> if you are in life and community with somebody of different economic means, regardless of which direction that is, it opens your eyes, not just to their life, but to your own. Yeah. It gives you a bet, just like what we're saying, it gives you a different perspective on your own values, your own decisions. When, when pastor Fred, one of my dear friends from Kenya, uh, we had, I had the privilege of being able to bring him to the U S for this. Well, he came to, for our wedding, which was amazing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and he got to pray over us, which was, I mean, um, rich in faith it was, to say the least. <laughs> it was he prayed over our, our marriage at, at our wedding. It was incredible. But, um, and, uh, during one of his other, his one other visit, um, he came over and I had an apartment that, um, I used to joke that I could vacuum the entire apartment without unplugging my vacuum cleaner. <laughs> right. Cause it was not very big. And, uh, and I would joke about that kind of like, man, I'm, you know, not, not, not living high on the hog in this place. And I was kind of anxious to move or whatever. 
literally he came, he came over for a visit and the very first thing he said was, wow, it's so big. And mm. I was like, <laughs> you're right. It is, <laughs> uh, you know, and, yeah. and he didn't mean that in a judgmental way or anything. He was just yeah. observing like, wow, this is like, what a, what a gift that you're able to live in a place like this. And so that just was like, yeah, no, you're totally right. And so if I didn't have him in my life, yeah, I'd go around complaining about my tiny apartment, mm-hmm. having him in my life. I realize I'm blessed and it, it just changes my perspective on things. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I would rather him be in my life, even mm-hmm. though, yes, it may make some of my self perspective a little bit more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's the direction I want to go. Yeah. And, and that, he teaches me how to be generous because yes. he's insanely generous with his time and his, and his wealth. And I mean, when I, I stayed at his home, when I lived in, in Kibera, I stayed with them and often there was this unspoken social network going on in, in the slum. And uh, often somebody from the church would swing by just around dinner time, and they would always swing by and kind of talk for a little bit. And then of course, pastor Fred and his wife would offer them tea mm-hmm. and they'd have chai and sit and, and then they'd sit a little bit longer and it would be <laughs> lingering. And then he'd be like, well, do you want to stay for dinner? And they would always stay for dinner. Yeah. And, and I realized it was this unspoken code mm-hmm. that if you were hungry and you didn't have the means to put food on your plate, if you went over to pastor Fred's house, he would give you dinner. And mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like they were manipulating him. He wasn't feeling it, manipulated. It just, yeah. Right. It was, but it was, it was, he had this generosity of spirit and I'm like, would I do the same thing? Would I invite people over to my house? Would I open my home to, to others so that they could have their needs met? It's just, yeah. it just, man, it, it, you're like, are you hungry? Yeah, I am. Well, there's a McDonald's on your way home. We yeah, gotta, we gotta eat yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Or, or for, would someone in need ever, ever find themselves in my house to begin with? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's another question where, yeah. you know, that, that was my question too. So mm-hmm. I want, we all want Grace Church to be, you said, uh, the respite mm. from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. I think we all want that. How, how do we do it? How do we find people? <laughs> how do we create space for people and let them know that they, yeah. we all belong here and we all, you can come to my house for dinner. I can go to you. Like, yeah. how do we, is that just a matter of like, getting involved? Well, like how do we do that? I think, I mean, I always use this as an answer and it's not the only answer and it's not the complete answer, but it's, it's a start. We have to be open to continuing to have intergenerational and diverse rooted groups and mm-hmm. life groups where you are not together with people who are in your exact same demographic, but people who are different than you. Yes. And yeah, like without fail, people who start these groups, the first time they sit down, they're like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Right. They're always like this. These people are not like me. This is going to be really awkward. And without fail, by the end of those 10 weeks of rooted. And then as they get into life group, life group moving on, it's like, oh, these are my people. And they, mm-hmm. that, that suddenly you skip right past so much of the barrier to entry because you didn't really even have a choice. You are put with people yeah. and God essentially founds that community and that relationship in that rather than you trying to opt in. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say if we can all have a heart being open to intergenerational, diverse, unique communities, we're going to have way more <laughs> opportunities for that kind of thing to happen. Yeah. yeah. That is a great launching point. Yeah. Just join a rooted group yeah. or yeah. Continue on in your, in your life group. Great launching point. We've been talking about these virtues like humility and compassion. And over these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, how it's not enough to just not be prideful. Right. You know, yeah. but that there's there's a call to action. Mm-hmm. This whole hope month has really been for Grace Church people. It's been a call to action. Compassion, it's not enough to just say that you love somebody, but it, it actually means having them over, inviting them into your circle and elevating uh, the people around you. It has me thinking that gratefulness, that virtue is the same that it's not enough to just be thankful, Mm. but that gratefulness also has a component of action to it. If I'm truly grateful, I will share what I have. I will look at my resources in a new way. Um, That it's not enough for me to just be like, hand to God, thanks. Thanks for all I got. But that there's a component of- um, That's so good, yeah. Action. So yeah, I think that's part of how we do that here at Grace. As we open our eyes to the things that God has blessed us with, whatever comforts he's blessed us with mm-hmm. that we actively seek ways to share that comfort yeah. with others here, 
here in this place. Let's just start here. Right. And here's the thing. Whenever, if you're talking about the comforts that you've received and you're wealthy, it's so easy to think, oh, so you just want me to, you just want to take my money. Right. That's not yeah. what you're talking about. Not you're talking all. about a, a posture I, of gratitude where it's like, yeah, I get to be a part of building up the body of Christ. I'm thinking about how well equipped my kitchen is. Uh-huh. I'm thinking about those comforts right now. Right. Like, right. And they're just, what am I doing with this stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to bless others with it. Yeah. Mm. That kind of thing. Right. Well, so you're not talking about writing the check. You're talking about having them over to your house. Yeah. To time cook. Yeah. Spending time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And my, my wife said serving is another way to do it. Sure. Like if you have means or you don't have means, like getting in the room to serve someone else all of a sudden gives you a perspective you probably didn't have before. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I wonder, um, okay, danger. I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> and to the entire warning, world. Warning. Warning. <laughs> I wonder if there's a difference. I feel a chill in the air. There is a chill. <laughs> there is. Uh, yeah. So I need to gird my loins. There you go. That <laughs> yeah. one too. But uh, I wonder if there's a difference between sharing and benevolence. Hmm. And I wonder if we learn how to share and not see it as benevolence, we're better off in relationship with one another. So if I've been blessed with material wealth, rather than me, out of my benevolence, give to people who have need, instead I say, I'm going to share with whoever I can share with. There's there, that's It's a more casual normal sharing of what I have. Yeah. Not a, okay, I better write a check to be benevolent. Yeah. Do you see, there's a difference. Yeah, it really is. There's a, there's a big difference. I think we need to learn how to share and want to share and feel comfortable sharing. Those of us who have, who can share to just share Mm -hmm. and be okay. with. It's reminding me of the scripture that God loves a cheerful giver. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think benevolence might not necessarily possess an air of cheerfulness. Maybe it's more yeah. out of duty, a but dutifulness. It's benevolence sounds like obligation. Sharing sounds like something comes from the heart. Yeah, yeah. Cheerful givers. Anyway, maybe we can write a book on that. I don't know. <laughs> I'll write you a song. Oh, oh I forgot. This that was becoming a-, a thing. I write books. <laughs> you write a book. You write a song. I'll write you a song. <laughs> Uh, Marion, you did write a song for this. I did the sermon series. Yeah, that was another prompt I forgot to bring up. Oh. Um, it was great. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. yeah. Great song. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, you wrote it specifically for Hope Month, correct? Um, I wrote it with with that concept in mind. So it was one of the ones that came from trying to write something for the book project. But the book project about us being his his kingdom here on earth, yeah, is really what prompted that song and and again hope month being all about us actively moving as one as the kingdom mm-hmm. of god to yeah. heal the broken place of hate i thought hey that could work did you sing it this past weekend yeah i did okay so it's been you you sh- shared it at fisher's mm-hmm. the week last before week, the week before ephraim sang it in north indy this past weekend <laughs> yeah he did it was awesome because he really, he like turned the whole thing around. He made it his own and that like sent yeah. my heart soaring. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. it, it's really good. Um, are you, are we recording it? Can we put it somewhere? <laughs> what are we doing? I don't know. Do you want to help with that? You have experience. Yeah. Can you, can you just come into the podcast Somebody studio contact and contact the director of communication? Sing acapella. <laughs> like, is it recorded? It's not. Okay. It's, it's not recorded yet. Yeah. All right. But we yeah. got to, we got to figure that out. Let's figure it out. I'm sure Jed, Jed Gaffrin's on it. <laughs> usually is um okay so we're wrapping up hope month this coming week right barry yes, what, what's next what's happening what are well, we talking we about we're gonna end it with what i hope is a very hopeful vision a lot of hope in that sentence hope 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 hope, hope. um i it's we're gonna be go- going we've been looking at the new testament this entire time and there will be a passage from the new testament but we're actually going to be going back to a vision from the old testament in isaiah 60 to um, talk about what the kingdom can look like when the the nations of the world mm. are represented in the kingdom and and so we'll talk about uh nationalities and cultures and all of that as as these mm-hmm. cultures come together as a part of the church the beauty that can come from that so i'm hoping to kind of put a exclamation point on the whole series by painting a picture of what i dream and what we dream of grace church becoming in regards to the many different cultures and international or and nationalities that are represented in our congregation now and who we hope and pray will be represented in the, in the days to come. Cool. So, yeah. That's pretty much where we're headed. Yeah. 
uh, we've got two Hope Month events left on the calendar. The first one being um, Latino Worship Night, yes, which is going to be at 146th Street this coming Friday. This Friday. Marin, you're going to be a part of that. Can you tell us a little bit about what we can expect? We can expect the presence of the Holy Spirit in our <laughs> midst. I'm so excited. I had I a rehearsal know. for it. I, had, <laughs> I don't know. I had a rehearsal for it last night at a one of our uh, musicians' house. He's a bass player named David. And I I was in a room of four other individuals who barely spoke any English. And talk yeah. about just like flying by, not the seat of your pants, by the power of the Holy Spirit to unite. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It was so great. Like I get so giddy from experiences yeah. like that. It was just awesome. I wish David could play the bass. Oh my goodness. I wish he had a better you, stank face. He's, goodness gracious. He's so ridiculously he's good. Ridiculous. He, is, he is wonderful. My son got to play with him this weekend here at 146. And by the way, your son. My baby. Was killing it. <laughs> yeah. He's incredible. He was killing it. He was loving every second oh of it. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. And I love the sass. <laughs> just has a little bit of sass on the drums. And I, he, he's got some he sass. He is, you know, and he's sassy does. Just drummer. Look at his face, just like, mm hmm. See? <laughs> sassy see, drummer. I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. I'm really excited about this Friday. Uh, please, everybody, whether you speak Spanish or not, please come join us. It's yeah. going to be an awesome night of worship. That's awesome. And just I, community. Somebody told me their entire uh, life group's coming. Yes. They're so excited. That is great. Making their plans and they're all coming. So it's going to be awesome. I I love it. You're going to get to hear voices that maybe you haven't heard before. And even that is just super cool. I was kind of shocked at rehearsal last night. Like, whoa, you could sing. Yeah. Really? Whoa. Great. Where have you been? Come on. Uh, The second event is on May 24th. It's going to be held at the Fisher's campus. It's a listening table event. Listening table is made up of volunteers here at Grace who are kind of helping leading the conversation of racial reconciliation, both at Grace and in our community. So there's going to be a panel discussion of Grace Church family members, uh, staff members, congregants, uh, all talking about their own personal experiences of uh, experiencing racism or the path of hatred Mm -hmm. uh, in their own lives. And so it's going to be a riveting conversation. That's May 24th at Fisher's. And then the last thing I want to talk about is uh, we we introduced the partner catalog a couple weeks ago, uh, and you know we've only got one more week of Hope Month, and so the partner catalog's got one more week uh, where you can look through that, pray over it, decide where your family might want to engage deeper into supporting one of our partners who are you know living the are living the path of self giving love every day in their own ministries. So pick up a partner catalog, go on. You can do that online, or you can do that services this coming weekend. But make sure you don't miss that. Dave, thanks for the message. Welcome. Next time we see you, you're going to be a grandpapa. Papa. Grandpapa. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Papa. To it. There'll be pictures. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Barry, next time we see you. You're, are you going to be here next week or are you going to Chicago? I'll no, be he'll be here. I'll be here. Okay. Yeah. Well, you'll be. You'll and be, I'm going to Chicago. I think you're not later. knowing when the dates are. Yeah. Thursday. <laughs> I know, but some people are like, I'm taking the whole week off. I got to be No, I'm going to. We're going up on Thursday. I, okay. Uh, at least. I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. Yeah. All right. I'll be here. We'll see you then. All right. All right. Marin, will you please send us out? I will. I will. I want to send us out with this hearts and stars thing and then I'll get to it. It's our unity and love, which helps the kingdom grow, but it's our diversity of gifts and life experiences, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which makes us strong. So do justly love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. See you on the other side of Sunday.